Hello everyone and welcome to Shot Reverse Shot, a podcast in which we attempt to talk about films within the confines of a particular theme that changes from episode to episode. I am Joe Gastineau, hello, and uh, joining me as always is Ed Davis, how are you going? Hi, uh, very well. Mm, sweet. This week uh, we are not talking about Breaking Bad, which as anyone who's listening to this right now will be devastated as finished, um, but we'll be talking about that next week once we've had a chance to soak up everything, but being personally Ed, I can't believe how it ended. Yeah, the spaceship came down and everything. Yeah, I wasn't expecting pumas to come out of the spaceship, especially not Dutch ones. Or for Kelsey Grammer to make such a bold appearance <laughs> at the last minute. Yeah, exactly. Um, this week, um, not so much a themed episode, but we're going to do a preview um, of all the films that are to come. Well, not all of them, that's mental. Uh, but all the films that to look out for in uh, autumn, winter 2013. Uh, the summer is officially over, I believe. There was a bit of sun this week but that's all gone now and I think we're kind of officially into autumn uh, the Indian summer is over um, and there's much to look forward to Ed uh, yeah I mean like, we're, we're quite early in the award season if we have to call it that this, um, and the best part about this time of year is that there's no front runners so every film is exciting every film has the potential to be sort of a breakout success and to redefine the culture and make a huge impact and uh, this year has some just as a, a wonderful mix of sort of big films that people are excited about but also little films that uh, I think not a lot of many people have seen but which are getting good buzz from festivals and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it plays out over the next couple of months I'm certainly more excited about the next sort of three or four months than I have been the previous nine mm, yeah very <laughs> underwhelming year so far yeah the summer in particular was was dire but there's there's a good sort of two dozen films really coming out in the next couple of weeks the next couple of months that I'm I'm really excited about checking out yeah let's start with those blockbusters that they have now there's uh, kind of in a post Lord of the Rings Harry Potter world we also have uh, winter blockbusters to look forward to and not just summer ones uh, what's on the slate I mean I suppose The Hunger Games is the big one a hugely successful first film um, we've got the sequel coming yeah the Catching Fire the which f- uh, finds uh, Katniss being thrown into uh, sort of a a PR campaign to kind of publicise her victory from the previous uh, games and then getting roped back into it and sort of setting things up for the third film which is all sort of big revolutionary drama um, and I think it'll be very interesting to see what this one because this is very much a middle chapter of a huge saga mm-hmm. um, but you know uh, Jennifer Lawrence is great as the character um, Francis Lawrence, no relation mm-hmm. um, is, a, is a pretty solid uh Workman, who I think could do something really good with the action, which was kind of a, a letdown of the first Hunger Games. Uh, the action scenes with that weren't great. So um, I think there's a, a lot of potential for it to be great, uh, but you know, I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point that it is going to be huge. Yes, it's going to be, because I mean, I think people expected Hunger Games to do alright, but no one expected it to do quite as alright as it did. Yeah, it made over four hundred million dollars last year, which is insane for a uh, a first film in a series. Mm. You know, that's about what Iron Man three made this year, and that's built on two very successful first films, and you know, essentially giving a, a kind of a boost from being a spin-off of the Avengers. And also, yeah. Iron Man being an established character that's been around for decades. Yeah, so for for a film to come out with. You know, considering the first book was only released in like 2008, mm-hmm. so within four years for it to have reached the point where it can make that much money and get one of the biggest opening weekends of all time and just like just gate crash the culture uh, is uh, is quite astonishing, really. Yeah, um, you read the book, Ed? I have, yes. I've read all three of them over the course of a week. Oh wow! Because they're very speedy reads. They are big print and everything. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> second one, I feel once it gets into the Hunger Games, gets it's a bit like oh this again. Mm. Um, and then the, th- yeah. the third book kind of, you know, you, it, you almost feel like this didn't really need to be three books. It could it should have been just two books really. Yeah. 
and of course it's going to be four films so that feeling's probably going to be even uh, worse yeah exactly um, hey segue speaking of things that are being unnecessarily stretched out we've got a second Hobbit film this year that'll be brilliant won't it because the first one was excellent mm, the first one was just what we needed yeah the first 50 pages of a book <laughs> yep it was a 80 minute movie um uh, squeezed into nearly three hours um, I watched it again last week uh, The Hobbit and um, it's really quite shit yeah I mean it has a lot to recommend it in sort of some aspects I mean like technically there's some good stuff in there mm. like some of the practical effects are good the CGI looks awful it does doesn't it <laughs> even compared to like the previous films and the, old, the, the Lord of the Rings films are over a decade old at this point I know yeah and there's there's there, there's such a over reliance on CGI. I mean, as 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 the original trilogy went through, I think if you kind of watch the making of stuff on the documentary, talk about there being like 500 effect shots in the first film, and then 800 in the second film, and then like 1600 in the third film. And it's like as much as the scope does increase, uh, you'll also feel like their reliance on having to use it did, because mm. uh, perhaps they didn't quite understand the technology as, and it kind of developed quite quite a lot as they were going along, but. Um, just stuff like just the goblins were all CGI which is in in the first film they're all practical you know men in masks and suits and they still look great but in this it's you know the whole the whole scene with the, in the goblin king's lair is just it's like a video game that's just it's like a cutscene it's horrible and you know it's very difficult to set, like have any kind of sense of peril when they're falling kind of 30 stories on a bit of wood and you know they're just kind of sliding all over the place and you know doing these kind of ridiculous uh, death defying things and you just, it's very difficult to feel any kind of uh, you know sense of danger really and the tone of it's so weird mm. like as you say not only do they fall from a great height but then that's kind of topped off by the Goblin King falling on them and it's this big slapstick moment mm. and then between then it cuts to you know Riddles in the Dark which is an amazing sequence it is great fantastically done and brilliantly acted by uh, Martin Freeman who is great yeah you know, that's, throughout that film that's the one redeeming thing is that Freeman is absolutely fantastic in that yeah so you kind of hope that because obviously Peter Jackson is, is editing the films as he goes along you kind of hope that maybe the feedback is coming back to them and that he could kind of turn things around with this one I think that's kind of the only real reason to be hopeful for it yeah um and that you you know you get to the point where they're introducing Smorg, um, and you know Benedict Cumberbatch is the sort of franchise um, enlivener that he is, just kind of like being dropped into second films. Yeah. Um, I think you know there's I think it, it like the first one. There's a potential for it to be good, and you just kind of my hope is that they're kind of learning from their mistakes and that they'll do something great. But uh, I am. Mm, I am less excited about this than the first one, and I only saw the first one on a plane, so uh, I'm not. I've not got high hopes for that one. Yeah, I, like I said, I revisited it because I'd recently revisited both the Avengers and the Dark Knight, both films that I liked the first time round, but then kind of liked much more on rewatch. And I kind of thought, well, maybe I should give The Hobbit the benefit of a second viewing, but it's just so clunky, and the writing's really poor, and like. It's a tip. It's not a new criticism for me to say that all the dwarves are basically just interchangeable dickheads. They're just all massively unlikable idiots, and you know, there's nothing to kind of tell between them. And like iconic scenes from the book, like the troll bit, is just just a mess, and it's just you know, it doesn't really make any sense dramatically. It's you know, I can't believe I'm talking about things making sense dramatically involving trolls. Um, but yeah, I was safe to say we're not particularly holding out much hope for that one. But no. in, in the positive is that our expectations can't be any lower. Yeah, I mean, what I'm really looking forward to is once all three of them are released and Toffer Grace gets to go in there and edit all into one film. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, 45 minutes long. Yeah, I think they should let um, uh, maybe Funke loose on it <laughs> uh, with her kind of uh, editing shears. Uh, what other big films have we got? Kind of big budget blockbuster type films. Uh, I suppose we've, we've we've got a Marvel film. We've got Thor coming out, haven't we, at the end of the year? Yes, we've got Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, I watched the trailer so, for that earlier, and um, I didn't particularly enjoy Thor. I did find that uh, a bit too daft. Um, I've got no problem with the kind of Asgardian stuff, but it's when he's interacting with Natalie Portman and 
the other things that for me you know some people really liked it and found it funny and I just found it quite grating um, and I didn't really like the ending where that big robot thing kind of comes out and I just didn't really get it was yeah. it? I kind of tuned out um, but what I did like was Tom Hiddleston and he seems to be having yeah. a great time <laughs> and uh, the trailer seems to lean quite heavily on him again yeah I mean I did I'm one of those people who found the first four quite funny you know I just find the fish out of water stuff to be quite a lot of fun um, but yeah it is the the final boss the final boss fight essentially between him and the robot is an absolute mess mm. and kind of just seems like a really arbitrary way of raising the stakes yeah. by just throwing in a robot into a film that doesn't really have the need for a giant robot up until that point um, or anything kind of suggesting that that's what's involved uh, but this one does look like a lot of fun I do like the idea of Loki being sort of the Hannibal Lecter of the series mm. Uh, being dragged out of prison to kind of help him and work together and you know I, I really like uh, Chris Hemsworth as an actor I think he's very charming in the role and he can be very funny uh, and yeah as you say like Loki is kind of the the MVP of the of the series and he was great villain in the Avengers mm -hmm. so uh, I think that if there's a lot more focus on him it could be really really good um, do you think that um, is, this is the kind of is this the first film of the kind of Marvel Phase Two Avengers or was Iron Man Three the kind of starting to lay the groundwork for Avengers Two? I think this 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 is kind of the first, this is the second one because Iron Man even though Iron Man Three is fairly self-contained it is the one that kind of establishes what the world is like in a post Avengers mm. sort of situation and this is just kind of furthering that. So we've got some more post credits things to look forward to. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to seeing how the action in this one is handled because uh, Kenneth Branagh has been swapped out mm -hmm. uh, to work his Shakespearean heft on Jack Ryan, yeah, um, which is also out uh, over Christmas this year, mm -hmm. uh, and he's been replaced by Alan Taylor, um, a dab hand from uh, from uh, HBO series, uh, done a lot of stuff on Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. and I think that's pretty good prep to do a Thor film. Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you think it'll um, have a big opening or do you think it'll be quite low-key <laughs> very nicely done uh, I mean that's a that's a, that's a nailed on certainty isn't it I think Thor did okay didn't it the first time around yeah it made 180 million dollars mm, not bad which is not bad I think uh, obviously uh, I, I think if, if we see the same sort of thing we saw from um, the Iron Man but Iron Man 3 like the Avengers is essentially going to supercharge all the mini Avenger films leading up to it so we could probably look to it making more than 200 million maybe something in the 250 million range right uh, and doing especially like the thing with Thor also is that it had a very big international appeal and did really really well overseas I think we'll kind of see that happening again yeah uh, I mean the, the... regardless of quality but I'd like to think that we're pretty good I mean Marvel in general uh, seem to have a pretty good hand on sort of quality control on their products because there's so much money at stake. <laughs> they they seem to have it. They seem to do okay with it. Yeah. Is there going to be a Hulk film? Um, there's talk of it, but I think uh, Ruffalo is pretty much just showing up in supporting roles at the moment. I think they're just kind of a bit worried because they've tried Hulk twice and it only really worked when he was a supporting. He was a bit player. Mm. Yeah, I, I can care. Um, any other big films out? Like kind of big scale explosiony type stuff. Uh, yeah, one that I'm really looking forward to, and which I've been looking forward to for the better part of sort of three or four years at this point, is Gravity. Mm, yes, the Alfonso Cuaron film. Cuaron, his return to film and sci-fi uh, after Children of Men in 2006. That's a long it's time a out. Long yeah. Time. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I like it because it's a a big scale film. It's a big expensive film, but the um, the actual scale of it is two people trapped in space. Mm. Which uh, I like. I like the fact that it's big, expensive, but it's you know by most accounts kind of a character piece and a sort of a mixture of character piece and uh, disaster movie, but set in space uh, and and space and underwater are the two things that really terrify me. Like if if I try and mentally put myself in the space in the in the place of people in peril, the two places I wouldn't want to be is floating out in space or trapped in a submarine. And uh, based on the trailer for Gravity which is terrifying. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be an, a really intense 
90 minutes and that's the other good thing is it's 90 minutes yeah take note Mr Jackson um, yeah you previously stated on a podcast that you're terrified of rhinos as well so being trapped in a submarine with a rhino or in space with a rhino would be that would be even worse yeah as soon as someone if uh, anyone commissions space rhino I will not see it uh, Alfonso Cuaron's space rhino we'll have to wait 8 years uh, for, <laughs> for him to do that I mean that's that's got absolute raves from I, I think it played Venice maybe that film festival or a recent film festival and it kind of went down uh, the storm yeah, it played Venice where it did very well and Toronto where it was a huge hit so uh, yeah so I think uh, it seems like the sort of film that is going to you'd hope would really catch on with audiences because I want Alfonso Cuaron to make more films yeah what, why has it been so long do we know I think this one had uh, problems with just people dropping in and out of the lead roles because there's only two roles and I gather it's quite intensive and um, you know for a long time Charlize Theron was the uh, was the uh, female lead and she dropped out and I don't think Clooney was the first choice I think someone else was and it's just, I think it's just taken a while for them to kind of get it together. Right, okay. Uh, and obviously sort of the technical aspects of it are very complicated, so I guess effect, a mixture of that and effects work probably played a big part in why it's taken so damn long. Yeah, yeah, and it's a big film that people are championing as uh, a 3D uh, must-watch. Well, you know, it's about time that someone actually did something with 3D, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I, he seems like the sort of person who, you know, coming from an effects background and sort of some sci-fi, I think he he's someone who could do something really interesting with it. Mm. But at the very least, if it's just, as people say, like a uh, a thrill ride, uh, you know, that will be, you know, fun. And, and uh, I'm, at the very least, I'm hoping it will be as intense as the trailer implies. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, look out for that one. Um, we've also got uh, an attempted uh, starting of a franchise which seems to be in trouble before it's even hit cinemas. We have uh, the uh, much-loved sci-fi saga, uh, Ender's Game, is starting. And the film series is in trouble already because people are already boycotting it because the guy who wrote the books uh, basically hates the gays. More or less, mm. yeah. I might, I I might think, be, uh, I might be uh, condensing that... <laughs> into a soundbite the complexity of the issue yeah but that's pretty much the the kind of cut and thrust of it right yeah more or less Orson Scott Card who's uh, you know wrote this book Ender's Game which is widely regarded as a classic of science fiction literature you know a film uh, a book that meant a lot to uh, a lot of young people but he's also very fundamentalist Christian who has paid to anti-gay charities so it's not just the fact that he has sort of opinions that people disagree with it's that he's actually paying to hurt people essentially <laughs> um has caused a lot of people and every time he opens his mouth to explain or defend his opinions he says something even worse mm-hmm. uh which kind of makes me wonder if, if uh it's a big producer style uh scam he's putting in that he wants it to flop because he'll make a huge amount of money from it flopping because mm-hmm. because uh, that's because th- otherwise he's just a crazy person yeah I, I kind of have not really kind of um, spent. I've kind of just seen this uh, from afar, as you probably have told by my kind of limited grasp of the issues at hand. Um, but it's um, would it have been something that without this controversy would have been a kind of nailed on success? I don't know. I think it's a it's a it's one of those things where it's a classic book that lots of generations of people have watched have read. Mm-hmm. But um, so I think it probably has a built-in audience, and then it's all a matter of just how good it is to kind of carry it along. Yeah, and Harrison, so Harrison Ford's in it, isn't he? Yeah, but yeah, so that's it's obviously got some some big names behind it, uh, and but it, it's it's such a, a weird sort of academic thing uh, at this point because it's so tied in with the controversy and just of just sort of how awful a person Orson Scott Card is. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to separate the success or failure of the film from the actions of the author at this point yeah. um, and obviously it doesn't help that the enemies in the film are called bummers right okay or in the books those are the enemies they're fighting which um, in America has you know oh no sorry it's buggers oh right buggers okay. called, not bummers uh, same thing uh, in terms of uh, childish slang for gay people mm. um, so I think you know, it's, it's you know he he doesn't do himself any favors. No, no. Uh, we recommend to all our listeners that you don't go and watch that cinema. You download it illegally. Uh, yeah. Don't support the uh, 
the the hate fueled agenda of um, Harrison Ford. Um, and all the Short other... shot, taking a stand. Exactly. Um, we've got a film coming out that's kind of reasonably budgeted. Um, I think it might be out very soon, as in the next couple of weeks. Uh, a film called Runner Runner, um, mm. which looks shit. Yeah, from the writers of uh, Rounders. Right, okay. Is it? Yeah, it's a card card shark movie. Right, with uh, Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck, or um, in his kind of... Uh, now it kind of looks weird because in the in the trailer he's kind of like swanning around in a tuxedo and that and now he's now he's kind of Bruce Wayne so it's kind of like um, yeah it just feels weird to kind of see him in that Playboy role but get used to it it's happening yeah no matter how much the internet hates him for it for no good reason anyone but Affleck again shot reverse shot taking a stand um, <laughs> yeah I'm not going to be I happy. don't care yeah I couldn't I couldn't give two shits who played Batman as a man who dresses like a bat at the end of the day. Yeah, it's what the only requirement to be have the role is a chin, isn't it? Yeah, and he's got a good chin. Mm, strong jaw. Um but yeah, um the trailer doesn't look promising, looks pretty formulaic. Yeah, I think the only thing that it could have going is that both those actors can be very charismatic when they want to be. But nothing in the trailer kinda of suggests that there's a huge amount of charisma charisma on display or much of real interest also that title is just weird yeah it's stupid isn't it it's just begging for rubbish rubbish uh, reviews <laughs> um, right let's talk about some uh, Oscar baiting um, uh, so we'll talk about the kind of the films that are you know perhaps more considered uh, maybe kind of uh, a bit more serious and uh, star people who want some gongs uh, kind of early next year uh, and one of the main contenders again coming from Toronto and Venice I think is uh, Steve McQueen's 12 Years a Slave which is uh, I've not heard a single bad word about no it's got um, just waves and waves of applause and lord it's just hurled it already I think if there is a a front runner which is too early to say because so few of the films have actually been seen yeah. uh, 12 Years a Slave is the one that has the most sort of deafening uh, sort of uh, buzz around it. Yeah, and this is the story of uh, a true story of a uh, free um, black American, I think, who's kidnapped into slavery, um, yes. and uh, stars uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, Michael Fassbender, Brad Pitt, and who is also the film producer, and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, the shy retiring um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, who he hasn't been in a film for literally weeks. Yeah, he's the Michael Fassbender of 2013. He is, yes. Can't uh, move for the man. He's in pretty much everything this year. Um, he probably plays a dragon in 12 Years a Slave, um, or something else. Um, but yeah, excited about that. Are you a fan of Mr. McQueen's work? I know you had problems with shame last year. Not like you um, as a person. <laughs> you no, had I'm problems famous. with your chronic shame disorder. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you didn't seem to like that one, did you? Sorry, to <laughs> <laughs> got me with chronic shame. <laughs> I do. Uh, I, I like him a lot as a technician. I mm-hmm. think he is a, a technically brilliant filmmaker. I think Shame is beautifully shot, and you know, is is just a wonderful piece of work. I can't stand the story. I just found it dull and uninteresting, and you know, I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care about anything on screen, but I did like what I saw. It looked very good. Mm. Um, but you know, and, and Hunger, I really liked. I really liked Hunger. I thought that was a really interesting take on a on on the life of Bobby Sands, and again, looked amazing. And you know, I think he is a, a a great eye in search of you know a great story. And judging from what I've heard, and and you know, this sounds like the perfect combination. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I love Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think he's just a fantastic actor. And you know, I think he's one of those guys who, for years, has just seemed in, in, as someone looking for that sort of great breakout role. And uh, this looks like the the one. Um. One of the big films that I'm massively psyched for uh, this year, um, and it's for good reason, I feel, is um, Martin Scorsese's uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Now, the, probably the reason I'm so excited for that film is because it looks like it's a throwback to something that uh, Scorsese hasn't done for a while, which is um, make a good film. Um, <laughs> and I personally, you know... Uh, obviously I massively respect the man's career but 
honestly, has he done anything amazing since Goodfellas? I know a lot of people like The Departed. I think it's a piece of shit. Uh, uh, I, I, um, people like Hugo and all that stuff again, could, don't Not care for that. it. Um, but Wolf of Wall Street looks and fantastic. It looks like it does have that Goodfellas uh, feel to it. It looks like a great uh, marriage of uh, director, material, star, everything. I'm super excited for it. Yeah, and it's got McConaughey, who is a, uh, a, a sign of quality these days. Renaissance man. Yeah. Um, and Jonah Hill. <laughs> um, also sort of a sign of something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he hasn't put a foot wrong uh, for a few films. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, I think um, I kind of just rewatched the trailer again before we did this uh, here podcast. And um, yeah, I mean, the trailer's got a chimp in it. It's got a dwarf being tossed. Um, and it's got um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio body popping. Um, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, it's got rhythmic chest pounding. Yes, which is just really peculiar. Um, but do you, do, you, do you get what I mean about like it feels like Scor- like Scorsese doing something that he wants to do? I always get the, the impression when I watch his film, every film he's made since like uh, since Goodfellas, they're like he's kind of just button pressing his films mm-hmm. I don't really feel like even The Departed I, when I saw when I finished watching The Departed um, I felt like someone else had made a parody Scorsese film yeah it did really seem to be put like even you know the use of Gimme Shelter and stuff on the soundtrack mm, yeah. really felt like he was playing up the Scorsese-ness of it yeah and you know Hugo was just kind of sort of weightless More, it was maudlin of... wankhead is what it was mm. Yeah, that's another term for weightless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it obviously had the the problem of being sort of Scorsese trying to do Spielberg, mm. and he's not a good impressionist. No. Um, no. And yeah, I think yeah, you, you look at it and it does have that kind of it does have the energy of 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 something like Goodfellas, and also that idea of just kind of diving into a sort of a, a secret world of criminals, even if they're white collar ones. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think I think. I'm I'm really excited about it partly because of the use of Kanye West in the trailer. I think that trailer is immaculately constructed. Um, I do think that there is, you know, the, the 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 story and the cast and everything. It just has so much potential to be just fantastic. Yeah, what I mean, a lot of his films have wrong? had that. A lot of that comp- of his previous films have had that uh, potential as well, but. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm really hopeful for this one. I do, I just look at that trailer and I think, how can you fuck it up? Mm. Which is, is uh, adds an extra level of excitement to it. Just wondering how he's going to fuck it up. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, there's another film that I'm not sure whether it's out in America right now, but it definitely hasn't landed in Britain yet. Is uh, the film Enough Said, which is uh, getting attention because it's the swan song of James Gandolfini, but. I think that uh, unfortunately, had he not sadly died earlier this year, um, it probably would have been getting attention for a kind of purely based on its material. It's the new film from Nicole Holofcener, who did uh, Please Give uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and before that, was it Walking and Talking? She did. Yeah, she did Walking and Talking, um, Friends with Kids. No, um, what was it? Friends with Money. Friends with Money. Called. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. With. with uh, with Jennifer Aniston, um, so she's very good at the sort of low, low-key, um, sort of uh, dra- comedy dramas. And by all accounts, enough said is is of a similar vein to that sort of thing about you know uh, James Gandolfini as a man who and f- uh, starts going out with uh, Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus, mm-hmm. which is a mismatch of looks. <laughs> it has to be said, uh, he was a great actor, but you know. She is a few leagues outside of his. Yes, I'd say. Um, uh, but you know, by by all accounts, his performance is great in it. I think that the remarks on the film is that it's a bit lightweight and a bit fluffy and doesn't have a huge amount going for it. But um, I think by all accounts, it's an amazing. It's a really really great performance from him, and you kind of get the feeling that, at the very least, it'll be sort of a legacy nomination for him at the Oscars this year. Yeah. I think it would it's, be churlish not to. It would do, yeah. Speaking of um, uh, Oscar nominations that are kind of nailed on, uh, Mr. Hanks has got a new film out, uh, Captain Phillips, and he plays uh, uh, someone who's kidnapped by pirates, um, but not in a kind of fun Johnny Depp way, 
like in a grim Somali bazooka type way. Yeah, directed by Paul Greengrass, who obviously you know has directed the Bourne films and directed mm-hmm. United ninety three, which seems to be, by all accounts, what this is close most closely resembles. Sort of right. real life harrowing stories of people in sort of crisis and trying to survive and sort of Hanks apparently with a very broad Boston accent and you know the Academy love accents they do Um, Um, you know and obviously it's a very high profile story with um, plenty of sort of uh, potential for political importance Uh, I'd I'd really think it's going to be I'm really excited for it because I really like Greengrass and you know I I really really enjoy uh, Tom Hanks in most things uh, and, you know, and it looks very, very exciting. So hopefully it'll be the right balance of sort of thriller and substance in much the same way that United 93 was. Um, speaking of Oscar baiting, do you think uh, Ridley Scott's new film is uh, The Counselor uh, with Javier Bardem? And I think is Fassbender in that as well. I think he probably is, isn't he? Yeah. Um, is that a, a contender? Certainly seems to be. I mean, it's got a lot of pedigree with Cormac McCarthy as first produced screenplay not based on a book obviously that's got a uh, a lot of um, a lot of, of prior form in terms of being a, one of America's great writers uh, I think that obviously kind of turned some heads right yeah um, and you know Ridley Scott is hit and miss mostly miss yeah I mean but, if, if we're looking at the man's career He's he's kind of uh, yeah. I'm not gonna say ruining his legacy. What I'm gonna say is uh, his films aren't very good anymore. <laughs> is that no, true? He, Prometheus was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awful. I think he's he's choosing bad projects more than anything. I think he technically is still he still makes good-looking films and he can still put them together, but he's just getting dragged down by dreadful scripts mm. or or in the case of like Robin Hood Robin Hood taking a good script and fucking it up royally um, so hopefully uh, with a solid script from McCarthy who I would hope would be able to do something good in sort of a crime thriller sort of way because obviously he's got prior form and that sort of thing with No Country for Old Men mm. that you know he could do something they could do something really really special um, if nothing else it's got Javier Bardem with an amazing hairstyle again yeah which That's, I think we can all get behind. That must mean Oscar, you know. <laughs> um, although he didn't get one for Skyfall, did he? No. Although um, a lot of people thought that he would have got nominated because he was quite... He was very, very fun in that. Yeah, he was. He was clearly enjoying himself, a bit like Hiddleston. Um, what else have we got in terms of Oscar contenders? Uh, again, we got uh, Tom Hanks in uh, Saving Mr. Banks. He might mm. get two nominations, one for Best Actor, one for Best for Supporting for that one, which is the story of the making of um, of Mary Poppins. Ah, who plays Dick Van Dyke? Um, I haven't seen him, the name thrown up in that. I know it's. I think it's more about the, the, the pre-production and the, the sort of long, arduous campaign Walt Disney waged in order to get the rights to the character. Oh, I was just because... hoping you'd say Barry Van Dyke there. <laughs> Because <laughs> that would have that would have made my day. That would have been some fantastic synergy. Familial casting. Um, but yeah, that that's who's the lead in that. Uh, Emma Thompson is the lead in that, playing the the author of uh, of the Mary Poppins series, who was very protective of the character and essentially had to be uh, wooed over many years by Walt Disney into allowing her to allowing him to adapt the film. It was a very, it was a passion project for him that he spent years and years trying to get made, and I think, sort of, uh, ironically, it was released after he died. But right. uh, and she ended up hating the film version. But I really love the the film of Mary Poppins. It's I think it's it's a really wonderful film, and the trailer just really hits all the right buttons for me in terms of sort of those stories about uh, the creations of sort of great works of art, in that it's more about the personal relationships and the the creation than the actual uh, than the art itself because I think it'd be boring if you just spent all your time trying to recreate scenes from Mary Poppins yeah although I think it would be fun with the penguins yeah just to kind of see uh, attempts to recreate early filmmaking without CGI mm, yeah, I'd, yeah pay, and, and like could any kind of CGI recreate 
um, Dick Van Dyke's accent. Uh, I think that was a once in a lifetime thing. I think it defies logic. Yeah, they'd probably just have to have someone just flap in their mouth and then dub his lines in afterwards. <laughs> quite possibly. Is that it for the the, the the kind of big hitters of Oscar Oscar wise, or is there more? Um, I think those are the kind of the big ones that really kind of. I think you know you maybe something like Nebraska, the new Alexander Payne film, seems to have quite a lot of potential, mm-hmm. uh, starring uh, Bruce Dern. Yeah. Who you know, obviously a great. Uh, uh, great uh, actor who's never been honoured and you know by all accounts it's kind of a showcase for him uh, Inside Lewin Davis who is you know, that's the new Coen Brothers film you know they're perennial Oscar favourites these days um, American Hustle the new uh, David O. Russell film yeah um, um, that's got a lot of um, a, that's got a, a great cast yeah amazing cast essentially he's just kind of smushed together the cast of his previous two films <laughs> Right. And just kind of assigned everyone out their roles. Um, and the, obviously, it's got a 70s setting and it's about heists. Another film with a period setting that has heists in it, The Monuments Men. Oh, God, that's got serious Oscar caliber, that. Is that the Clooney one? Yeah, the Clooney one with everyone Damon, Clooney himself, um, your man from The Artist, John. Uh, John the Gardener. Yeah, John the Gardener. Um, you know, just a huge amount of potential there. Anchorman, the legend continues. You know, yeah, all the important ones. Oscar for Brick. <laughs> Finally, yeah. <laughs> if if Steve Crowell went up on stage and went, "I love Oscar," yeah, I think uh, I think that we could just call it a day in end cinema. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, uh, that would be the case. Um, okay, on a personal note, Ed, what are you looking forward to this year? Um, I'm quite looking forward to seeing uh, Lone Survivor, which is the new Peter Berg film, but more just kind of from a sense of you know whether or not he can uh, he can make another good film because we're a decade out from Friday Night Lights and I'm starting to get worried. Mm-hmm. Um, Foxcatcher, the new uh, uh, film from the guy who made uh, Moneyball and Capote. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that. Her new uh, Spike Jones film starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix with a creepy as fuck moustache. I've seen that uh, moustache, it is pretty creepy. So I think that one has some considerable uh, interest for me uh, because it's as well, you know, it just looks creepy, but apparently it's a comedy. <laughs> be interesting to see how that one turns out. Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, That's again, another McConaughey. McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one might be the one that gets him his Oscar if anything's going to win it him because AIDS yeah you know, <laughs> pretty much um, how about you what ones are you kind of uh, I've really kind of piqued your interest um, I think uh, The Selfish Giant you know the new Cleo Barnard film we both were big fans of uh, The Arbor mm. um, yeah it's her new film um, oh. which is you know pretty exciting um, I don't know I don't know when that's out that's got like quite a lot of uh, very very good notices from uh, uh, Toronto and things uh, it's the Oscar Wilde uh, story updated to well to be kind of grim and kind of counsel the state like um, and yeah it's being kind of uh, touted as Oscar Wilde meets the Dardens which is you know Something I've been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, we've talked about it for quite a, well, quite a bit. The to-do list, the uh, Aubrey Plaza sex comedy. Uh, just those four words excite me generally. <laughs> um, I'm very much looking forward to that. The uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the uh, Ben Stiller uh, remake of the old film, uh, looks very interesting. If it turns out to be rubbish. Uh, very least it's got a very impressive looking trailer mm. um, uh, there's a couple of very very small films, uh, the new uh, Andrew Bujalowski film, uh, Computer Chess uh, is out and I think that's causing quite a kind of stir because uh, is it Masters of Cinema or releasing it theatrical? Uh, yes, I think that's great um, and they generally kind of do prestige pieces and then you know this is a uh, to use the phrase we don't particularly like but we keep using because it's convenient mumblecore film mm. uh, essentially just a low budget film shaky camera work um, yeah so that's that's a kind of a, a kind of a talking point I guess um, but yeah um, those are the ones that I've kind of 
Uh, oh, the old boy remake. It's, that's gonna that's gonna be interesting in one way or another. Yes, I'm a big fan of Spike Jones, and uh, I Spike think Lee. there is. Yep, and him too. <laughs> All the spikes. Yep. Angley. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Spike Lee in general, and I think Old Boy is a is a really great film. The original, I really really enjoy it. I'm just fascinated by the combination of those two uh, sort of disparate worlds because he's not exactly the um, he's not exactly the most sort of stylized and mainstream director, and Old Boy is not exactly the most mainstream story. Mm. <laughs> so it'd be very interesting to see how he puts his own particular spin on that story and really just to see if they maintain the ending because um, they seem to be very faithful and if they maintain that ending I think that's going to get a lot of uh, comments from people who don't know the story yeah yeah totally because um, it's it's a it's a fucking insane ending <laughs> it is pretty insane um, have we got How to Train Your Dragon 2 is that this year or is that next year I think that's next year. This year we do have Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs 2, which I am very much looking forward to. Uh, yes, uh, I did like the first one. I would like to see more of stuff like that. We've got the uh, Keanu Reeves film, 47 Ronin. Yeah, which I didn't realise had strong supernatural elements until I saw a trailer for it. I just assumed it was a very straightforward remake of the uh, of the, the old sort of Japanese tale, which is just about, which is a story about 47 samurai avenging the death of their master this one apparently seems to have demons and ghosts in it right okay That's... and samurai which just seems to be uh, seems a bit desperate really to throw that in you've got samurai they're pretty cool yeah I feel if you start throwing demons in then it starts to get a little bit uh, feels like you're trying too hard um, I want to see the film because it sounds like it's going to be the worst film of all time I've not seen the trailer yet and I can't remember the name of the film you might have to help me out but it's the boxing film with Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro oh Grudge Match Grudge Match um, that looks like it certainly sounds like could be the worst film of all time yeah it seems like a really quick and easy way to mar the legacy of two very good boxing movies <laughs> yeah totally um, I mean I don't really know too much about it other than someone's just said uh, Robert De Niro and Sylvester Stallone are going to fight each other in a boxing ring and you don't really need to know much more than that because they're both in their 60s mm. and I mean I'll, I'll be honest Ed I'm, I am I like sport but boxing isn't something I know an awful lot about but what I do know is that the boxers aren't in their 60s <laughs> I That's think didn't George Foreman win when he was like late 40s early 50s and that was pushing it so to be 60 I mean you know Come on. Yeah, and it does feel like, in particularly in De Niro's case, you just kind of think, God, you really are slumming it. And I mean, he did kind of just get so much goodwill back with Silver Lining Playbook, where whether if you like the film or not, his performance it was fantastic in that. Yeah, it really reminded everyone why we really liked. You used to like Robert De Niro, <laughs> and now <laughs> you see him just kind of putting on boxing trunks and squaring off against Sylvester Stallone, and you think, God, Rocky versus. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Jake, Jake Lamotta. Yeah. yeah, Jake Lamotta would have been a great idea in like 1982. Mm. Uh, in, but instead of Rocky Five. Yeah, but also it would have been an idea that both of them would have rejected out of hand as terrible. Yeah, yeah, even Stallone in those it, days would have been like, seriously, no. And now they're doing it in all but name, and it just seems to be a continuation of Stallone's journey to try and just combine as many of his old sort of ideas as possible. Doesn't um, um, Stallone and Schwarzenegger got a film coming out where they're like kind of old timers in prison who have to break out? Yeah, I think it's called Escape Plan. Ah, I wonder how they uh, they must have struggled to come up with the name for that film. Yeah, Escape Plan and Grudge Match. They're all very <laughs> sort of utilitarian, aren't they? Speaking of great titles for films that look terrible, uh, Jobs, because uh, you know in Scottish Jobs means poo, and uh, <laughs> yes, we've got the Steve Jobs. Uh, biopic with Ashton Kutcher has not received good notices so far has it? No it's been pretty roundly panned I think everyone realised that they had one idea which was hey doesn't Ashton Kutcher look a bit like Steve Jobs and yes. then just decided to try and build a film around that and it was not a good idea 
Mm. Yeah, it really, really wasn't. Um, anything else you got there, kind of flapping around that seems interesting? Um, I am fascinated by the idea of um, Metallica through the Never. 3D. 3D IMAX exclusive. Yeah. Because it is a Metallica concert movie, which is intercut with a post-apocalyptic drama starring Dane DeHaan. And <laughs> I like I like Dane DeHaan. I like Metallica. I like post-apocalyptic films. I'm not sure all those things should be combined. <laughs> yeah. I'm, but I'm not entirely I am sure. interested to see how that works. Yeah. Um, speaking of like bizarre curiosities. I'm not sure it will land uh, stateside, um, but come December, us Brits uh, will get to see uh, what we've always wanted, which is a standalone Harry Hill movie. Yeah, I saw that on IMDb the other day and was perplexed by it. Um, I, I, can tell you, I can tell you who's in it. Who? Harry Hill? Harry, Harry Hill uh, Julie Walters. Simon Bird, Matt Lucas, Sheridan Smith, Mark Wotton, Julian Barrett, and Jim Broadbent. It's a good cast. Solid. But why? Because mm. <laughs> the thing is, I love Harry Hill when mm. he's basically he's basically just doing uh, ITV's version of Screenwipe, isn't yeah. it? Really, and it's very funny. Uh, you'd have to be a very hard-hearted individual to not like Harry Hill. But a film? No, surely not. Yeah, I'm not sure how much he's persona can carry a film especially but i think it could work if for example they take a very sort of fourth wall busting approach to it because mm. i think that's something that likes it that that's something that works very well in the tv show because he's essentially just having fun with the format and just kind of messing around but if they tried to like superimpose him into a straight narrative film i just don't see how it would work yeah it's not something that yeah fills me with a lot of optimism um, or yeah, that you can just kind of figure out how on earth that's going to work. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a character that he's kind of never been able to explore. You know, that persona he's been using for like twenty something years in sort of great stand-up act and on uh, TV burp. You know, mm. I don't think I don't feel that anyone kind of finished watching TV burp and thought, really, what we need to do now is see more of this guy in a film. Yeah, exactly. I blame um, Partridge. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, anything else you you've got your uh, your eye on? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. That's the only ones that kind of really leap out to me and make me think. I really, really want to kind of see this and and see what kind of comes of these films. I'm sure there'll be plenty of like little ones that as we go along will suddenly get lots of really good reviews, and I'll just be like, oh my god, I have to go and see that now. But uh, those are the ones that at this point had me really really excited for the months ahead yeah right okay well we'll do something we did in our uh, last um, preview podcast I'm going to present a series of titles of films that um, you know we've not talked about um, and I would like you to rate them on a scale of uh, 1 to 14 uh, how excited you are about them are you, okay. are you down with that Ed? yes okay right filth the Irving Welsh adaptation Oh, four. Four, yeah, not going to be good that one. Yeah, I mean, Irving Welsh in general, you know, you got train spotting and that's it really. Yeah, good point. Um, both in book and film form, so the idea of them doing anything more with his work just fills me with dread. Mm. Um, Prince Avalanche, the new David Gordon Green film? Oh, nine. Nine, yeah, yeah. I'm Got Paul Rudd I'm, a, in it. I'm a little wary because obviously he's had a few rough years, mm-hmm. but uh, you know he's he's it looks like he's returning to the sort of work he did in the past, and you know that's all to the good. Um, the Carrie remake. Mm, seven. Seven. Straight down the middle. All right. Okay. Because I like the cast and I like the director, but you know if you look at the trailer, it looks like the first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but with slightly uh, cheesy looking effects. Mm. Uh, machete kills. Two. Two. Yeah, I'm just sick of uh, Robert Rodriguez. That just stop, stop. Just I, I, I just don't. I can't muster any enthusiasm for anything he does. Yeah, he's so slapdash that mm. you know, like that early kind of scrappiness just kind of 
wears on you after uh, after really not very long time. I think it's been when was the last time you did a film that was really exciting? Was Sin City good? Sin City was alright, wasn't it? See, Sin City was interesting. And the last film I can think of that I really liked of his was probably The Faculty, mm. which I liked as a sort of invasion of the body such as slash the thing set in a high school. But yeah. nothing else since then has really kind of captured my imagination and the idea of taking a fake trailer and turning it into a film and then making a sequel to that film based on a fake trailer. <laughs> you know, that's Doesn't kind of... Doesn't confidence, does it? Yeah, it's masturbatory to an insane degree. Yeah. Um, good name for a band. Um, uh, the Romeo and Juliet, the new one, with actually appropriately aged actors, including uh, Hayley Stanfield from uh, from True Grit. I like her. I feel like I've seen enough versions of Romeo and Juliet. Um, um, so between I'd, one and between one and fourteen. Mm, I'd probably go for six. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Are you, well, are you they higher might... than that? Um, no. Not not bothered at all. Really. <laughs> um, the new Joe Swanberg film, Drinking Buddies. Uh, ten. Yeah, I'll give that a ten. I'm into that. Uh, the Fifth Estate, Anna the Kendrick, one about lovely. Exactly, Fifth Estate, the one about WikiLeaks. Um, eight best based entirely upon the ever present Dominic uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah. Can't even fucking say his name. Yeah, and lastly, uh, Jackass presents Bad Grandpa. 14, 14 absolutely straight down the line if anyone <laughs> hasn't seen the trailer for Bad Grandpa I'd advise you to watch it immediately and uh, probably not bother with the film because there's no way it could live up to that <laughs> is there really um, so yeah I mean, yeah, that's pretty much that's the end of the year wrapped up conveniently in just under an hour and three months ahead of time uh, absolutely and if, if our um, predictions of any of those films uh, turn out to be incorrect then I'll eat my bloody hat. Yeah, and I blame reality rather than us. Oh, absolutely. Um, there are there are a few films we missed out, but bollocks to it. I can't really be bothered. <laughs> uh, to there was loads. There's loads of like ones from the festival that were you know well regarded, but you know they're not so easy to make fun of. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's your lot for uh, for this week. Um, next week we will be here with. The Breaking Bad uh, roundup. If there hasn't been enough said about Breaking Bad already, we're going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, um, everyone, don't read anything or listen to any podcasts about not. it until you've heard the definitive word from us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so until then, uh, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.